and welcome to the Earth Church. I'm Reverend Billy. Come on in here. I'm going to start with a quotation today, a reading from the Word. Here we go. All evidence points to the need for a quasi-religious transformation of cultural values. Hmm. Now I'm going to go to a second quote. You ready? Here's another quote. The earth will rise up with great force, and if the people rise up too, they will live. But if the people do not rise up with the earth, they will vanish. I'm going to go back to the first quote. All evidence points to the need for a quasi-religious transformation. Ooh, let me say that again. Quasi-religious transformation. And the second quote, the earth will rise up with great force, and we get to rise up too. We might live, but if we don't rise up with the earth, we're goners. All right, now look, these two quotes, they're working together. The first one is from Ann Ehrlich and Paul Ehrlich. They're scholars from California and environmentalists, I must say, lovers of the earth. And the second quote is from Deborah Whiteplume from the Lakota people. Now, I'm going to say this. Looking back at the human race from the perspective of the earth, that's what these people are doing. And that's what they're urging us to do. And we've never been up to that so far because we're very human-centric. And even those of us who think we're defending the earth... We're staying in our human viewpoint. But looking back at the human race from the earth, from the superstorm, from the wildfires, from the heat waves, from the virus, <laughs> that is a move that the young people are making. That's the radical next generation. And we saw them out of Glasgow in November at COP26 at the International Climate Conference. They were confronting traditional environmentalism. They were changing us all. We're going to do that today. Are you ready? Are you ready? You better shout earth hallelujah with me. Oh, 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 who's this? Oh, hello. Hello. Damn. Why? I think I'm going through a quasi-religious transformation. It's a panther. How are you? I think you're telling me I better rise up with the earth. Or maybe I'll vanish. Earth Olivia.
you ever feel like time is speeding up? It is. We are living through one of the most epic, worldwide changes in human history, and the outcome is still uncertain. It all depends on one question. Will the young people of the world quietly watch as everything unravels around us? Or will we decide to unite and set humanity on a better course? For 10,000 years, people have depended on a stable climate that shaped where we built our cities, how we grew our food, and the stories we told about the places we call home. Now, the climate is changing, and home just doesn't feel like home anymore. It's happening everywhere, and it's getting worse every day. If we do nothing, the costs are hard to imagine. Solutions are ready to go. We can stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. Wind and solar energy are nearly cheaper than fossil fuels. New jobs are being created across the country, putting solar panels on rooftops, building wind farms, renovating homes to be more efficient. Whole communities are being transformed. We could be on the brink of a new age of health and prosperity. But a greedy handful of wealthy fossil fuel executives are standing in the way of progress. You know, when we were kids, we had an alternative, right? When I was growing up, there was capitalism, but there were other things, right? And in this country, that, that idea that there could be an alternative to capitalism, another way of life, really disappeared, right? And we just embraced, as a nation, consumerism as a way of life, capitalism. That's why we're the church of Stop Shopping. It's the, it's the simplest, clearest way to, to say no to capitalism, right? Stop shopping. And that's in the broadest sense. But I wonder for you all, you know, looking out at a future that's much longer than mine might be, um, what do you see instead of capitalism? Like, what, what is there? What's the alternative? I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit, but I, I just, I mean, I am curious how you look at it. You already know I'm in a Marxist-Leninist party. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I see. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, um, it's like a, there's there's a funny thing where it's like people. Um, I think there's like a notion out there, like among like my generation, maybe yours. I'm not sure. In which it's it's uh, everyone likes to like speak on reality and like human nature as if they're like very set, you know. And it's like based from like our very very like limited understanding of or like experience of it right because mm -hmm. like most of me and my friends are only like 17 or whatever <laughs> but still like it's like it's as if it's as if like uh like a, some sort of like creative or like imaginative imaginative sense of like or like a, some sort of ima like a sense of like imagination or like a ability to imagine right is kind of like broken down when, uh like in, in this world in a weird way and so that uh like it, it's done so so that people can't really like imagine a better world. When you hugged that cherry tree and the chainsaw guys retreated and the gun on the hip NYPD advanced toward you, did you sing a song at that point? I did. I sang, how did it go, it's in cherry tree you and me cherry tree let us breathe cherry tree you and me cherry tree you and me cherry tree let us breathe cherry tree you and me cherry tree let us breathe cherry tree you and me cherry tree let us breathe cherry tree you and me cherry tree let us breathe cherry tree you and me cherry tree
cherry tree, you and me, cherry tree, you and me, and on and on and on as they took us away and into the car and into the station and into jail. (laughs) But with the trees still. (laughs) And and with the trees now uh, mostly (laughs) chainsawed, Uh uh, but... We now know that they live on in the root systems and the the, uh-huh. the, the fungi and the filaments yeah. of the little communicating right. in the soil, and they're probably still singing your song. Oh, I think they are. I hope so. You give them hope. I hope so. We can all just walk away singing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ariel. <laughs> again. I've mentioned many times that the Stop Shopping Choir went to the United Nations sponsored International Climate Conference in Glasgow, Scotland last November. One of the features of that international gathering was that corporations were making a promise. And they all made the same promise. They had press releases they handed out And all the wording was the same. They were promising net zero carbon by 2050. What? First of all, you're going to be, you're going to be not putting toxins into the air by 2050. Well, that's interesting. That means that you don't think the earth is in turmoil in the sixth extinction accelerating. You, you don't think things are bad now. You're, you're uh, devoted to your gradualism and you'll be okay. You'll be sitting at your desk in 2050 making plans for more profits. Ridiculous. The, the, the press release was mainly aimed at very young people. It was aimed at the teenagers who the corporations are very afraid of the teenagers, the Greta Thunberg generation, partly because they are very angry and have every right to be. Their lives have been reduced to the issue of surviving. Their careers are surviving. Their their future is, will I survive? Another thing is that they, they actually represent new life. They are not conditioned. They are not hypnotized thoroughly enough by the totalitarian consumerism that is the enforcement arm of capitalism. So they are free spirits. They just look the corporate people in the eye and they say, no, you can't pollute anymore. In another way, they're also ancient. 
And that's another thing to be afraid of about the very young. They are coming right from evolution, right from their DNA is fresh. They are coming straight from, you know, 500,000 years of development of the human person. <laughs> and so they're standing there unconditioned, straight from ancient life. They are life, being life. That's enough to haunt a representative of the totalitarian consumer state. Because if you're not with it, if you're not living your life by products, you're a threat. And they are threats. And I know I'm talking to, I, I say they, you, the people listening to me right now, many of you are very young. And, and, and each of us has a part of our soul that is very young, can be very young, doesn't have to be hypnotized by products. We, we have also that, that love of the earth and we can be with the earth and of the earth. We can have the ancient thing and the new thing. And that's something else for the corporations to be afraid of. Their, their whole gambit is being afraid. They just worship that quarterly report. They just worship that next, you know, report on what their profits amount to. So we have now, we have now this power that comes from the earth, from the growl of the Black Panther, from the, from the music of the saxophone of Sun Ra, from the hope and, and surreal invention in the voices that you've heard of the very young, we have that power in us and the corporations, they just don't have a chance. We won't let them kill the earth. Earth hallelujah. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Russia has deployed trained military dolphins at its naval base in the Black Sea, possibly to protect its fleet from an underwater attack, according to new analysis of satellite images. Russia has a history of training dolphins for military purposes, using the aquatic mammal to retrieve objects or deter enemy divers. The Sevastopol naval base is crucial for the Russian military, as it sits in the southern tip of Crimea, which Moscow seized in 2014. According to this analysis, many of the Russian ships anchored there, while out of range from missiles, are potentially vulnerable to undersea attacks. A remote community in Ireland was adaptable enough to persist through a millennium of environmental change. Scientists examine environmental and community changes over a thousand years of occupation in the Antrim Plateau in the north of Ireland. 
This surprising resilience from a relatively remote occupation was likely the result of social factors, such as agricultural and trade practices, which made the community flexible and adaptable. The authors suggest not all human communities respond the same way, and this variation is largely linked to social conditions of each respective population. Understanding this complexity is key to understanding what conditions make communities vulnerable to cultural collapse in the face of environmental change. The South American coati is making forays into urban spaces. The coati is a medium-sized carnivorous mammal living on trees and feeding mainly on small invertebrates and fruits, with a wide distribution in South America. Despite this, it is endangered in southern Brazil, primarily because of loss of forest habitats. Researchers recorded an individual at the Canoas Air Base, one of the last remaining green spaces in a densely urbanized area of a large city in southern Brazil. The study illustrates the degree to which remaining green spaces within the urban matrices of large cities can serve as critical corridors or stepping stones for wild animals. Scientists have discovered six new species of frog the size of a thumbnail in the forests of Mexico, with one earning the distinction of Mexico's smallest frog. All six species are smaller than a British 1P coin when fully grown. Adult males of the tiniest of these species, named Crogastor candelarianesis, are less than half an inch long. The newly discovered species are known as direct developing frogs. Rather than hatching from eggs into tadpoles like most frogs, they emerge from the eggs as perfect miniature frogs. And they're so small that they're right at the bottom of the forest food chain. These frogs live in the dark, humid leaf litter of forests, which is like a secret world, and scientists don't really know very much about them. Known as micro-endemics, some of the newly discovered frogs may occur only in one small area, such as a hilltop. This makes them incredibly vulnerable to even subtle changes in weather or water distribution. A research team led by the University of Oklahoma have created simulations from coupled climate and hydrologic models that demonstrate widespread increases in the occurrences of flash flooding events across most of the United States. If emissions continue at their current rate, flooding events will become 7.9% flashier by the end of the century, meaning heavy rainfall events are likely to occur quickly and in concentrated areas that are likely to lead to flooding. Similarly, their results show a more than 10% increase in flash flooding in the southwest United States, the greatest increase in flashiness among historical flash flood hotspots. More people will have to learn not just how to survive floods, but also how to better live with ever-increasing flash floods, said scientists. The 20-year return floods will more likely occur every two to five years. A research group has discovered a completely unknown type of cell death that takes place in the guts of the common fruit fly. The new process, coined aerobosis by the researchers, is thought to play a role in gut metabolism. The findings necessitate a revision of the conventional concept of cell death, and at the same time overturn the previously established theory of tissue homeostasis in the gut. Transdisciplinary researchers from Drexel University investigated how nature-relatedness, simply feeling connected with the natural world, benefits dietary diversity and fruit and vegetable intake. 
nature relatedness has been associated with better cognitive, psychological, and physical health, and greater levels of environmental stewardship. Our findings extend this list of benefits to include dietary intake, said lead author Brandy Jo Milliron. We found people with higher nature relatedness were more likely to report healthful dietary intake, including greater dietary variety and higher fruit and vegetable consumption. After males of the orb-weaving spider Philoponella prominens mate with a female, they quickly launch themselves away, researchers report. Using a mechanism that hadn't been described before, the male spiders use a joint in the first pair of legs to immediately undertake a split-second catapult action, flinging themselves away from their partners at impressive speeds, clocked at up to 88 centimeters per second, or 35 inches per second. The reason the males catapult themselves is simple, to avoid being eaten by the female in an act of sexual cannibalism. The few males the researchers saw that didn't catapult were promptly captured, killed, and consumed by their female partners. When the researchers prevented males from catapulting, they met the same fate. Adding rock dust to UK agricultural soils could absorb up to 45% of the atmospheric carbon dioxide needed to reach net zero, according to a major new study led by scientists at the University of Sheffield. The authors show this technique could make a major overlooked contribution to the UK's requirement for greenhouse gas removal in the coming decades. With a removal potential of 6 to 30 million tons of carbon dioxide annually by 2050, rock dust is usually a byproduct of chlorine. It is a very popular soil additive which returns nutrients to soil in a process known as mineralization. New research shows that the increase in primate ecotourism is having a negative effect on monkeys' behavior. The study found that this fast-growing tourism sector where tourists can conveniently reach primates via motorboats is causing stress-related behavior in monkeys. The research looked at the impact of a single-engine motorboat approaching a community of proboscis monkeys, an endangered species living in a remote riparian area in Malaysia. Many of these boats, carrying multiple tourists, approach the primates quickly and loudly, often reaching the riverbanks just a few meters away from the wildlife. The researchers found that frequent visits by such groups, which often involve an unusually high level of noise, cause stress-related behaviors in the primates, such as self-scratching, an increased vigilant state, increased levels of aggression, and reduced feeding. New research on mice shows for the first time that the microbes in animals' guts influence what they choose to eat, making substances that prompt cravings for different kinds of foods. While the idea of the microbiome affecting behavior may sound far-fetched, it's no surprise for scientists. The gut and the brain are in constant conversation with certain kinds of molecules acting as go-betweens. These byproducts of digestion signal that one has eaten enough food or needs certain kinds of nutrients, but microbes in the gut can produce some of these same molecules, potentially hijacking that line of communication and changing the meaning of the message to benefit themselves. Human-caused climate change will make strong tropical cyclones twice as frequent by the middle of the century, putting large parts of the world at risk. Scientists project that maximum wind speeds associated with these cyclones could increase around 20%. Despite being amongst the world's most destructive extreme weather events, tropical cyclones are relatively rare. In a given year, only around 80 to 100 tropical cyclones form globally, most of which never make landfall. In addition, accurate global historical records are scarce, making it hard to predict where they will occur and what actions governments should take to prepare.
and now the sounds of extinction. At least one in five reptile species are threatened with extinction, including more than half of turtles and crocodiles, according to the first major global assessment of the world's so-called cold-blooded creatures. Catastrophic declines in biodiversity across the world are increasingly seen as a threat to life on Earth. Threats to other creatures have been well documented. More than 40% of amphibians, 25% of mammals, and 13% of birds could face extinction. Researchers assessed 10,196 reptile species and evaluated them using criteria from the International Union for Conservation of Nature Red List of a Threatened Species. They found that at least 1,829, or 21%, of cold-blooded reptiles were either vulnerable, endangered, or critically endangered. And now, hear the sounds of reptiles. Something's gonna happen. Hey, 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 come on now. Come on, Reverend. Set it up. I was standing out there. Well, yeah. I was trying to stop my shopping. All right. No <laughs> I want to tell you where I was. I was, okay. I was on the corner of Houston and Lafayette. Tell us take us there, And I felt, I felt somebody was copying a gaze at me. Uh, <laughs> and I looked around. I wanted to know who it was. You ever have that feeling? You ever oh, have somebody looking at me? Up. Somebody's interested. <laughs> and I was looking around. I couldn't find anybody looking. I thought maybe an attractive woman or a man might be walking up the stuff from the subway. But there was nobody there. And I looked up. I maybe thought maybe it's not a human being. Maybe it's an animal. I looked up. I was looking at the windows for a cat looking down at me. There was no cats. I said, well, cataluyah, there's no cats looking at me either. And no dogs, no turtles, or nothing. And suddenly I realized, oh, there were 38 eyes. All right. And they were looking at me. You counted them all right. I was in a vortex of eyes. I was in the vortex of the devil. They were wet. Techno, techno, techno equipped eyes looking down at me. I couldn't move. I realized it was all the way down from a little postcard 976 down there next to my foot and a postcard on the concrete. All the way up to a 12-story high supermodel. There were 38 eyes. I 
counted them at 38, not 37, but 38. I certainly had a feeling of feeling. media loneliness. I finally felt I just didn't know how I could stop my shopping in this. I didn't know, didn't know uh, what to do. What to do, yeah. I said, on, I'm going to fight back. Come on, Reverend. I'm going to try to get the faith. Come on, Reverend. And suddenly I felt, yes. I want to be like one of those people in the Kung Fu movies that do ah. somersaults backwards over this <laughs> bamboo forest just yes. to get weightless Woo. and ride up into the air. And I said, I'm going to somersault backwards right up into the eyes of